Uh, today, I, I want to share the word today is on uh, grace. I want to be talking about grace uh, today. So do I start off in any way or just come straight up? There it is. Grace on the 1st of September. This is our Father's Day in Australia, but it's not yours, is it? But this is our Father's Day in Australia today. So I've had a few nice messages. They're about nine hours ahead of us. But um, God's amazing grace, I just want to share with you, uh, just to start off with and give you an idea of God's grace. Um, I was uh, saved at 22 years of age. Before I got saved, um, I had police problems. I was under 12 months probation. I was uh, involved in drugs, violence, uh, drinking, uh, out of hand and so on. Um, uh, Uncleanness constantly in my life. Um, In my uh, ability to be educated, I suffered from dyslexia uh, and also um, I uh, stuttered and stumbled a lot and so on because I was badly burnt as a child. And So there's all these things against me. I had a very poor self-image when my parents got divorced and so on. I was a very confident child at nine and then lost all my confidence. So on, so. Uh, but God's grace, amazing grace, selects. Today we're seeing God's amazing grace. And uh, you know, these two will survive by God's grace. Uh, because, uh, because they've been tested and tried in the house. And Paul and Emma carry a grace. And when you can't keep going, your grace will. It's, a grace is a powerful instrument in our life, a powerful impartation in our life. And um, uh, just and all the wounds in my life, all the damage, but God's grace chose me. And he chose me, he selected me, and his grace started to work in my life. Never could really work up until that time. And then began to work in my life. And today I want to talk about the importance of coming back to this grace and understanding this grace. The grace is the assignment that you have on earth. The grace is your gifting and enabling your favor that's given to you by God. And it's so important. And you've got to understand the grace coming upon your house. As we even link together and so on, uh, the grace that we have on Southern Lights. And that's why Pastor Tony and Pastor uh, Phil came out to check out our church to see this grace. Grace is something you can see. I'll share about 10 points of how grace operates today. But that, why did they come? To see the grace. Let's check out this grace. We've heard them talk about this grace, but let's come and check out the grace. And so they were imparted to, they were affected and so on. They realized there is this grace. And so hence this relationship uh, grows because you see grace on certain people's lives. Now, I don't, uh, I don't prophesy that today to, uh, to shoot guns in the air, but you know, uh, Paul has a grace over his life and therefore Emma, this apostolic grace. I know that prophetic is going to continue to rise in you. You, got, you look blueprint next year called Emma which is very handy and so on but that's to build to build and uh, you'll be frustrated all your life unless you're building because that's that apostolic which will emerge in you let's build it and build it properly and build it correctly so it will last and so on and uh, so that's the exciting part about grace Um, we have gained grace so point point one we've gained we have gained access into this grace I especially want to uh, look at Romans uh, 5, 1 and 2 there. It says, therefore, since we have been justified, just as if we've never sinned. Justified means like you've never sinned, you're perfect, you've been justified through Jesus Christ. Through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, very important. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So we gain access into this grace we now stand by faith. So you can have all the grace and all the enabling and an incredible assignment over your life, but you mightn't believe it because you can't access grace except by faith. So I had to start to believe that God could do something with my life. I never touched drugs from the time I saved. And just everything started to change in my life. And I kept accessing this grace by faith. This poor self-image had to go and Christ had to be formed in me. Everything that was raged against me had to go because this grace I was accessing by faith started to work in me and change me. Jesus Christ started to form in me and change my whole life. We've got a marriage now for 33 years we've been together. That's grace in action. Where marriages are failing, our marriage keeps going from one degree of glory to the next and so on. 
And we'd love to take a marriage enrichment here. We take marriage enrichments all around the world. We're going to take one in South Africa, just taking one in Sydney, up in Australia there, and so on. Because we have the grace that's worked in us. I was unclean. I was a mess. I was going around in circles. I, my parents divorced and I was damaged. But then this grace I accessed. And started the work in this marriage and so on. And now we take marriage enrichments everywhere. And there's a, a huge grace that gets poured out. And all the married couples start to come together stronger. Because this grace that operates in our lives. It's amazing, isn't it? Access to this grace. I goes, oh no, I've been from a divorce. And I could have had a thousand reasons why our marriage wouldn't work. But see, I believe by faith I accessed this grace that said God actually made marriage. He invented it. He created it. And so on. So I keep coming to the maker. Karen and I constantly come together and pray and access this grace and it works in our lives. This marriage just keeps working, getting better and so on. The two becoming one is, is a powerful ingredient. We're saved by grace. We know, know this scripture, but I can't avoid it. I can't miss it. Number, point number two is for it is by grace you've been saved. And so no one in this room could have entered into the kingdom except by this grace that says, come in, be a son. Through faith again, it says, it makes it clear. And this is not from, uh, from yourselves. It is a gift of God. God's grace is a gift. It's all God orientated. Grace has nothing to do with your abilities. It's all it has to do with is your faith. You can be the worst of all. Paul says, I was a sinner of all sinners. But he was a super apostle. Because he knew the grace. I used to kill Christians. <laughs> or he's the same, throw them in jail. And by this grace, I entered into, now I've become an incredible apostle. It's amazing, this grace. You know, he, he just, it's just incredible how it works. Not by works. No one can actually make it happen themselves. I want you to know, you can't make, you'll be very uh, exhausted in your Christianity trying to get this gift going that you don't have. <laughs> trying to be a leader that you're not called to be. Uh, it's, it's important that you know that this grace that works in you. Uh, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's the good works that God's called us to do, not the good works you think you should do. There's, you know, that's where God has called us. To, so you've got to find that. Paul discovered it, uh, it was set apart in his mother's womb, that he was set apart to be an apostle. But he didn't find that assignment. He was doing good works, so to speak, killing Christians and putting them in jail. And so until he found out, he met Jesus Christ. And by faith, he started to believe, what do you want to do with my life? Paul's assignment was given to uh, him. I'll just I'll quickly mention that. Uh, in Acts 22, verse 10, it's not up on the board, sorry, everyone. But in Acts 22, verse 10, um, he's explaining to one of the kings or the counselors at one stage, he's explaining how he got saved. And it says, what shall I, he said, uh, what shall I do, Lord, I asked, because he's just been hit on the road to uh, Damascus and so on. Get up, the Lord said, and go to Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. Okay, so I've got to get up from this road. And so he couldn't see at the time. <laughs> and for three days he had to be led by someone and he had to go to Damascus. His first assignment, he could have gone, no, I'm not going to Damascus. I'm a Pharisee and I go where I want to do and I'm going to go to the Jewish people. So this first time he heard from God by faith, he embraced it immediately and went off to Damascus. And there he is. And this is what in verse 21, then the Lord said to me, go. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Totally trained, total abilities to reach Jewish people. Absolutely a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a genius. And God says, forget that. <laughs> and I'm going to send you to Gentiles. He wouldn't even go into a Gentile's house, this guy. He wouldn't even talk to a Gentile. And suddenly he's being sent to them. Wow. And he accessed that by grace, by faith. I'm going to do what you say. Can't you see this is, it's just this man became powerful. So if he said, no, I want to reach the Jews. Now God said, I had someone else for that. I've got this fisherman that the Jews think is a bit of a joke. And I'm going to send him. Yeah. See, God doesn't, really, look, there's nothing wrong with education. I'm, I'm an educated person and there's nothing wrong with anything like that. But it's your works. But what is the grace on your life? What is that call, that assignment that God has for you in your life? Because you're in a house, that's a prophetic house, and God's going to be pointing it out to you and coming to you. There's three assignments I spoke today. 
He's clearly giving to you. That's what God told me. I, I was prayed about uh, Paul and Emma, and God said, tell them the, these three assignments. And the third assignment, I said, that's a big one. He said, speak it out, Peter. Don't be afraid of it. You know why I'm not afraid of it? Because by grace. Because it releases something over their life, and grace comes over their life. And, and, and Paul won't go, oh, what does this happen? He'll go, I believe that. I understand that. That stirs in me. And that's been spoken. Someone spoke it over me. Graham Cook and Dr. Jonathan David spoke this apostolic call over my life and said, you are going to suffer, baby. <laughs> and we suffered. But he said, there'll be glory that will come. And so on. And 2008, it has not stopped. And we are absolutely cranking along. We're moving along rapidly now and so on. But you know what I understand? It's by God's grace. And it's nothing I can do. It's nothing I can perform. I can't make it. I just stay in that assignment. And it keeps breaking out in our church because it's the assignment and I stay in the grace. And you've got to watch out and I don't get into someone else's good works. Or there's God's works. You've got to make that decision in your life. I see some Christians trying to do it by their good works and it's so tiresome and so on. There's signs and wonders that follow this type of grace, everyone. It just follows it. Power just follows this type of grace that works in your life. So that's where Paul was given his assignment and he followed that assignment. Number three, definition of grace, charis, Greek word for grace, charisel. It means a divine influence on a person's heart. God starts to influence the heart of that person. Divinely influencing the heart and it reflects in the person's life. So you should be able to say, Paul, I never knew you had that in you. That's what grace. I didn't know you'd become so powerful. Someone was, uh, we've uh, been witnessing in a, um, a hairdressing shop. Uh, one of our guys owns one. He's just opened his shop up. He's had miracles in it. People got healed and then someone got saved in it the other day. And a lady that knew me from school uh, came along and heard these uh, Christians talking the power of God and so on. And she said, I knew Peter Nichols. He was just a troublemaker and so on. And she was, she's, they say, oh, no, he's the pastor and he's the apostle. He's the, and they go, what? And that's what it's supposed to be. How could that kid become that? By God's grace. And never forget it, Peter Nichols, because I'm telling you, if I forget it, I'm back to good works. And I've got to stay under that assignment and stay. What has God called you? What's the grace operating in your life? It's so. What's divinely working on your heart? Already there'll be passions deep inside your heart and so on. And that's God's grace at work. Number four, grace is given in different ways to different people. A lot of people get this confused. They all think you get the same grace. I want to be an apostle. Can't be. So when, I, when someone says to me, oh, I'm a prophet, and, I, and I, I don't say this, but I want to say this. I want to say, well, who laid hands on you? Who spoke that over your life? Oh, the lady next door? No, no, no. Which prophet spoke it over? Oh, someone in a car park? No, 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 no. Which possible? Well, you brought out what we did with Paul and Emma is very powerful. It's clearly laying hands on them in front of the congregation and so on and decreeing and speaking it as the way it should be be, be done and so on. So that's where when it was, I was brought out with 10 other couples, Karen and I, and hands were laid on us and the 10 couples were lined up in 1994 in Malaysia and they spoke about this apostolic grace coming upon our lives. So how can you be that, Peter? Well, prophets laid hands on me. Two of the most outstanding prophets in the world today still and they laid hands on me and Karen and they decreed this over my life. And a grace was released over me. I thought, I wonder what the apostolic is. <laughs> And I came back to it about a year later or months later and read it because of the suffering I was going through. And there it was in the prophecy, Safa, Safa, Safa. Pages of it and so on. Suffering is only for one reason, everyone, to get rid of you so the grace can flow. Because you are the biggest obstacle to God's grace. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, okay, this is Paul speaking here. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So don't think you are pretty... Gifted or have this great ability, remember it's God. You've got to remember it's God. <laughs> okay, highly. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So he distributes this by faith, this grace into your life. He chooses 
All right, I'll explain this more and more today. This is very important for this church because many graces are going to begin to emerge in a whole new dimension in your life. And you'll know that uh, that's Tony, but now this is Tony. What has shifted grace? And he's received it by faith. That's, I was very touched when they came to our church. That's why I'm here. I, I pursue and relate to people that want the impartation from our church to pursue the grace upon our house and so on, want to relate and connect to us. That's, so I'm not going anywhere else because it's a waste of time. It's good works and so on. There's so many people. There's people, though, that want to receive what we carry and there's a relationship formed in it. Hence, Dr. Jonathan David. For just as each of us has one body with many members, though, and these members do not all have the same function. They don't have the same. No one in this room has the same grace as another person. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us, to each of us. And I want to explain this today. I want to explain it later on. You've got to understand that grace, there's a gift of grace. It can be like a one talent gift, but it can grow into two and five talents. It has the ability to grow in your life if you nurture it and keep believing it and stay in it. What would be the point? Why did I go to the school of Because I felt this whole prophetic thing going throughout my life as a young boy and it had no avenue. Then I became a Christian and this prophetic word used to rise up and speak out. And in our service, you could only speak at a certain time. And I feel like it just this word and it burst out. No one would say anything. My pastor wouldn't say, you've got a gift or whatever. It just wouldn't happen. And then I just uh, muddled along in my life with this talent called the prophetic gift. And then God gave me a dream and sent me to the School of Prophets. So what is going to happen to that gift of the School of Prophets? It's going to go through the roof. Because it's there. There's a grace there. And, I never, and, and you come to a School of Prophets and the whole prophetic realm just goes to another level. And so it just shot up to a whole other level. And we became what was known as a prophetic church as a result of that. Two years later, it led us into an apostolic church. And so on, as we spoke about before, that's the grace at work. And so on, say, say if I'd gone to a teaching, a Bible school teaching course and so on, it's not my grace. I would become a good teacher. It would be good works and it's a great thing, but it isn't my grace. We have Pastor Andrew Kavanagh in our church who carries the grace of a teacher. He's a brilliant teacher. And we have him on our eldership and our team. Is that gift operating and so on in our church? It's wonderful. I'm challenging him the other day. You know, he's going overseas a bit more. I said, Andrew, who's the one you're going to hand these batons to to teach in the church? And we're discussing it together. Find that grace. Andrew sometimes sees all these prophets around our church and apostles coming through, things exploding and so on, God moving. And he says, I want to do that. I said, you're not allowed to. You've got to stay in your grace. He said, but can I? I said, Andrew, appreciate the grace that God's given you. It's powerful. We need that in the house. Don't want to be like us. What's the point of that? So we want you to be in your own grace and teaching. Karen holds an incredible grace with women in our house. Powerful. And Zoe is rising in that grace. You've got to keep people in that grace. Stay in it. It keeps merging and growing. Okay, let's look at it. Okay, you can't boast if grace is operating in your life. You can't boast. You just got to remember, God gave me this. And stick to it, please. Don't just give it up. The charismatic era, you go, I heard this gift. I want that gift. I want that gift. And you think, goodness me, stay in that assignment. Imagine Paul saying, I've decided to do uh, something, some other gift. I want to be an evangelist to uh, Jews. And God says, sounds great, sounds fantastic. Probably would have been Jews get saved, but it's not his grace. But when he went to Gentiles, it exploded. Signs and wonders, power came, Gentiles getting saved. It's incredible. Stay in that. Grace is given so we can all function differently. So everyone's got a certain grace. I love it. All our our children's workers that are raised in our house, we have a kids club and we have the Sunday school and they're being raised. And you say, I don't care if I miss Sunday morning. I just love training kids. You know, that's grace. Just working in their lives. And some, uh, we say, just step in there and find out what it's like. So they become a team member. And when they become a team member, the grace over children just flows into them and they explode. Or some go, loved it, enjoyed it, but it's not me. And so, so you serve out that year and so on. And so you go into that assignment that relates to your grace. All right. 
We have all different gifts according to the grace given us. All right. Seven gifts that follow on from Romans uh, 12. There's seven gifts that it speaks about. This is just to get you started. These are the basic motivational gifts that you should note in your life and should be operating in your life. When I first did a motivational questionnaire, I got the first gift was prohesi. I said, I've got a prohesi gift. I didn't even know how to pronounce it. But it came up strongly in this, this questionnaire I did. I've got this prohesi gift, prophecy gift. No one could tell me anything about it in the group I was with because we're a beautiful pastor, teacher, church, but no prophets, no grace. So it sits in me and I go, oh, huh. how can it grow? You need impartation, you need a connection, you need someone to nurture that gift and bring it into another dimension. And um, serving and teaching, there's all these incredible gifts that we have there. Uh, that, uh, it's, if you, if it's, so what does it say? So if you lead, do it diligently. So if, you, uh, if you've got mercy, do it cheerfully. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Just put it into action. Oh, no, I don't want to serve. Even though I love it and I'm brilliant in the kitchen, I'm doing all this, but I don't want to. I want that prophecy gift. I want the prophecy gift. And the pastor goes, why don't you just stay in your grace? Sometimes it's just faithfulness. I just I can remember setting out chairs and just staying in that grace because I had a servant gift and I was prepared to do this. It was hard for me initially because I managed. I thought, why would a manager of gymnasiums and training athletes be putting out chairs in church? And God said, if you're not prepared to do this, Peter, I'll never use you. I said, I'll do it. <laughs> and so that's it. And just humble yourself and get on with it. And so because I'm serving, I said, Lord, I will serve here, and the the service team leader will have to tell me to go off. I'll do it the rest of my life. He said, that's it. I served there and I became an incredible servant. He came to me and said, you are the best servant we've got. I said, oh, wonderful, good. And so then he came to me a year later and he said, pastor said, you can't serve anymore. You're not allowed to. You've got to stay on the prayer line because there's this other grace was appearing in my life, deliverance and prophecy and so on. So we want you to stay there instead. I thought, I'll never go off it unless the man of God directs me to go off it. That's a real challenge in your grace gift. That you don't think, well, I didn't come to the pastor and say, hey, I've got this. Hey, I've got that. Why aren't you using me? Let God. A gift makes way for itself. Just humble yourself. Just give it time and that gift will begin to rise up. You know, just, it says, it just, it says um, these gifts here, you know, uh, if it's encouraging, give encouragement and so on. So what did I have to do in my life? I was an encourager, but I was also a critical person. Get rid of criticism, Peter, in your life. Because that was blocking my gift of encouragement. And there's these things you have to change. In order to develop the prophetic gift, get your spirit open, Peter. So on. It's, uh, then I didn't have two gifts very clearly, though, really low uh, gifts. And that was giving and that was mercy. And when you're weak in areas of grace, I work harder in those areas. I don't have to work hard in the areas that I have grace. Because it just happens. Does that make sense? So you can't go, oh, I don't have the gift of compassion, so I'm pretty rude to people. No. My wife and I said, we're going to work at this. Let's show compassion and love and mercy to people and so on. We don't do it naturally, but let's make it part of our lives. Because we realize we lack that. We lack giving in our life. We just weren't natural givers. And we tithe and we give 10% to apostolic and 3% to benevolence. And we give uh, thousands into first fruits these days and so on. We've built it in. It's not natural to us, but we've built it in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because you don't have it doesn't mean you don't do it. I'm not going to be compassionate to people now because I don't have that gift. Well, no, well, God says quite the opposite. I want you to be like me in all areas. Psalms just flow so easy. For me to prophesy, it's just so easy now. So it's, just, it's not a problem at all. It just flows out. I don't have to try. It just happens because it's a grace. But others, we have to build it in. No, that's 3% we give to benevolence, to needs. No, that's 10%. You take it out. And so when we first started to do it, it was like, oh, boy, this is money. And it, was, you know, it was unnatural to us, but it became supernatural to us. I just, that's just for all the ones that say, oh, if I don't have the gift, I don't have to use it. <laughs> and that, no, you actually have to still be like Christ in all areas. Uh, God's grace can consume you. It totally consumes your life. It should be consuming your life. 
It should be taking over your life. Paul says this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. You know where he used to say that? If you read on, the verse 2, it says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given uh, to me for you. He's a prisoner because of this grace in his life. Do you think he could go to uh, anything but Gentiles? He was just a prisoner to it. It locks him in because he knows when he does what God wants, everything happens. Signs and wonders flow. Doors open. People get transformed. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least, there he is, it's, I am the less than the least of all the people, this grace was given me. It just changed my life, this grace. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. He was a prisoner to this gift. Your grace actually imprisoned you. You don't have a choice anywhere out of it. It becomes humdrum, boring life. And that's why people leave church because they're not in their grace, they're not in their assignment, and they get offended easily. I'm telling you, I want to clean up everything in my life to stay in this grace. I want to keep the grace flowing. I want to keep the connection with God flowing. And by faith, I want to stay in that. So, But if you lose the assignment and the grace, what are you doing? Is It's boring. You're just doing religion. It's just you don't want to be caught in that. You want to be caught in what is the grace on my life? What is the core? And I'm a prisoner to it, everyone. I don't like traveling. But that's irrelevant because I'm staying in my grace. You know? I don't want to run conferences and I feel awkward and all these things, but that's my grace. I've got to do that now. It just opened up and, and, just, and we look for people with those gifts in our life. And I handed the church over to my son because there's a grace emerging in his life and so on. And at 30, we handed it over to him and he's booming in it because he's got the grace. But all through the years, I couldn't find that person. And there he was, Caleb, kicking goals and so on. And he had that grace there. Is this making sense, everyone? It's so important. What is your grace? What is your assignment? What is the call on your life? I'm getting to uh, some better parts in a minute. Number seven, to each of us, the grace of God is given us as Christ appointed it. Now, we're talking about the ascension gifts now. Some say four, some say five, prophet, uh, apostle. Uh, evangelist and pastor teacher. Some separate them, some keep them together. I'm not fussed and so on, but that's where there's graces in these gifts. These gifts are graces given out. I, as uh, it says, uh, verse 1, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling, worthy of your assignment you have received. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. So the grace can be taken from your life if you're not unified. If you're not, if you're not I'm not going to submit to this church. I'm not really going to attend this church. I'm not going to really uh, stay in a place. This is the, uh, the soil. This is the uh, vineyard that God's chosen for. You've got to submit to it. You've got to relate to it. You've got to connect with it. And then someone doesn't like you in the church. Get it right. Keep the unity of the Spirit so the grace keeps flowing. Grace will be hindered greatly by your bitterness, your reactions, and so on. I can show you this. I can show you this. Um, uh, a man called Cain, the first man that missed out on the grace of God. He had a grace that he had a green thumb. He could just make the land work for him. He was brilliant at it, right? Could make the land work for him. He was so gifted. And in Genesis 4, um, then God comes to him because he offers up some grain offering instead of a lamb, like his brother did. And so what happens? is uh, uh, God doesn't receive his offering. So there's jealousy in his heart. And this can be jealousy in your heart. Why is Paul? You know, I reckon I should be an elder. It's all those. I set aside an elder in our church and we had three or four people around that elder's age or a bit older that were their noses were out of joint and they haven't fellowshiped properly since that time. And you think, well, what happened there? Jealousy. Jealousy came up and so on. So uh, he got jealous. And so God... God himself comes to Cain and says, why are you depressed and why are you angry? He asks him two questions. So if you're depressed here today, something's wrong on the inside of you. Or if uh, you're angry, something's wrong inside. So depression is regressed anger or there's angry. I always have to ask myself, why am I angry, Lord? What's going on inside me? Why am I depressed, Lord God? Something's wrong on the inside of me. He said, we better get this right. Sin is crouching at the door, Cain. He must have been an Aussie. No, I'm okay, mate. You know, everything's all right with me, mate. So I think. Actually, it's not. 
And then God has another little visit with him and says, actually, your brother's blood's crying out right now. You've gone and killed him. Murdering your brother and sister because they might have a grace you're jealous about or you get offended or you react and so on. Murder in the New Testament is speaking against each other. It's there in Matthew. So you've got to really watch out for this. So what happens? God says, I'm going to take your grace off you. Never again will you minister onto the land. Never again will you be able to operate on the land. You're going to lose your grace. You just murdered your brother. And you will just wander around aimlessly. You'll be a wanderer on the earth. He says, this is too much for me. So I'll put a mark on you so no one will kill you. Pretty full on stuff, isn't it? He lost his grace. He lost the ability to, because he got jealous and reacted. Because he's, he's all he needed to do is take some grain over and says, Hey, Abe, hey, hey, Cain. So can I have some grain? Can I have a lamb? Awesome. Offer up the lamb. God says, received, move on. Was that difficult? <laughs> so some people, it's, it is, and he reacted to it. We can lose that grace. He just wandered around attacking your brother. And so on. It, it's very hard for your grace to operate when you don't keep the unity of the Spirit. It's one of the most ignored scriptures in the Bible, what I just read. Keep the unity of the Spirit. It's already there, but you've got to keep it. It's there in the house, but you've got to keep it. And that's probably, it's, I've seen so many men and women of God go under because they start attacking their brother and start pulling down their brother and their grace starts to fade in their life and go off their life. Some of them become into very powerful positions, everyone, and they've lost the grace. And chairmen's of something. And they've murdered people along the way and hurt people and crushed people, but they're in the position. They have no grace, no power. There's no signs and wonders. When they preach, it's really boring and it's very empty and so on. I look at it, but you can't touch God's anointed. But they're right up the top now without grace operating. And it's scary. And I've seen this constantly. Because along the way, I'll kill a few people off so I can get to the top. It's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. This. You get to the top without grace, without power. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. But to each of you, uh, each one of us, a grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Who apportions it in your life? Jesus Christ. He apportions it. He decides it. He puts it in your life. It never is, you know, full blown, full on. You know, it's 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 like a grace in there, and it's you to mature it. You've got to grow it. You've got to continue to develop it in your life. Don't get offended. Don't react. Don't turn on people. Just keep humble under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, that grace will emerge. In due time, it will emerge. Don't you worry. I've seen it after 26, 27 years of pastoring. I see this all the time. I preach to you not as an immature pastor, but what I've seen. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to all his people. Wow, what a great idea. So he went up to heaven and he released these ascension gifts. And these gifts, have you got the gift to pastor people? Have you got the gift to teach people? The, vis- uh, the gift to evangelize people? That gift to, uh, to uh, be a prophet or to be an apostle, a sent one? Now, I believe those gifts uh, grow and develop in our life. When the apostolic was declared over my life, I wasn't an apostle instantly. I was a junior apostle in training. That gift, will it mature and grow in me? Every single person that was lined up that day, the 10 couples, every single one is uh, not there today, except for Karen and I. It's a vicious thing, this whole thing. When things are declared over your life, what's going to happen? Many have given up the connection where that grace came from. Many have walked out. Many have got offended. Many have are broken up. Some of those marriages have even broken up. So it's just, it's just, it's, it's, so how can it go on? You know, it's, it's that marriage staying together keeps the grace flowing. It's your marriage will flow in uh, ebb and flow in love. It just does. But if you're in the marriage with destiny, it's unbeatable. It's the destiny that holds marriage together. It's a destiny that keeps you together. The grace is your destiny. So what's your assignment? That will hold you together always. Karen and I are in the same assignment together and it just keeps us going. Love ebbs and flows. It just does. Sort of, but I'll tell you, the destiny keeps you close together. We have very romantic, loving times in it. And then we have very empty times in it because that's, it's, it's not about us feeling in love. It's about us following the God that loves us and we love him. So Christ himself gave apostles. So he gave these gifts out and it says in verse 11. Now it's in verse 12, it says that these gifts prepare the people. So If you're going to grow in this grace, who is preparing you to be a teacher? Who's preparing you to be a prophet? Who's preparing you to be an apostle? 
I can't be an apostle without an apostle over me. I couldn't be a prophet without a prophet over me. I was in a beautiful denomination of pastors and teachers there and so on, but there's no prophets. So I was stuck. I was stuck. No one could prepare me. And then God gave me a dream and I went under Dr. Jonathan David and suddenly I had a father that was preparing me. And the whole prophetic thing hasn't stopped growing in us. Our school of prophets and growing and so on. It's just, it has not stopped from that time. The grace has continued to grow. So if I cut off my relationship with Dr. Jonathan David, I wonder what would happen to the grace. I wonder what the flow of it would be. Many people have said, have tried to get me into their movements. We would like you as a prophet to come and join us and so on. And uh, I said, well, I'm with Dr. Jonathan David, but I'm happy to help you. They say, get rid of him and come and join us. I said, I can't. He's my spiritual father. They don't know nothing about impartation and spiritual fathers and so on. So just get rid of him. I said, I can't. And so they got rid of me. <laughs> so I never get used by them. That's cool. That's, it's up to them and so on. But uh, if that's what they would do to Jonathan David and for me, they'd do that to me one day too. Without a second thought. Verses 13 says, until, why, why, are these, why are these gifts all working? Till they all reach the unity of the faith. Isn't that interesting? I wanna, these gifts operate and work in this. So Paul and Emma are faith people, are unity people. They're sold out to unity in the house. They keep the unity of the Spirit. It's so important. And they all mature. These gifts mature you in Christ. These gifts, in verse 14, it talks about they clear up false doctrine. No longer are you going to be tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine. Because it messes up your grace. And so you stand strong in your doctrine. You know who you are. You know the grace you've been given. I, I love standing strong in the doctrines I believe and walking in that doctrine, the apostolic doctrine. The first thing the church devoted to. I haven't switched it over. Thank you, darling. Oh, no, it doesn't go over yet, darling. I'm just reading them out. And, uh, and then... Um, and verse 15, it says, uh, and then speaking the truth and love to one another. So if these gifts are operating in you, who speaks the truth and love to you? Who's going to bring truth into your life? Who's going to start to develop the grace in your life? I see certain people with a grace, but boy, if they keep criticizing like that, it's not going to go anywhere. And then if you're going to treat your wife like that, you're not going to go anywhere. Who's going to come in and step in and speak the truth so they can grow up into the head that is Christ? Or, you know, the, uh, the way they're dealing with finance. They might be all these areas in order. It's, today it was read out that you cannot be a lover of money. Okay, because it's going to mess you up. But you need someone to come across the line and say, hey, let's get that right in your life. Why? Because it blocks the grace. The grace can't grow with these things that are going to be in the road. Suddenly you're ready to go, but you're in debt. <laughs> To so much money and so many bank cards, and but everything else is in order. Great marriage, great kids, but lots of debt. And so you can't move into that. So someone's got to speak into this, speak the truth and love to you and, and grow this grace in your life. And I, I'm a grace watcher. I look for grace right throughout my house all the time, sons and daughters and what they're carrying and so on. And uh, it's, it's just wonderful to watch it. But the thing is, the grace is magnificent because it's a God-given gift. But then the character must be also in tune. So these ascension gifts, are said, let's make sure they're a unity person. Let's make sure they're working through false doctrines and not tossed back and forth. Let's make sure we can speak the truth and love to them. Does this make sense? So the grace keeps growing and maturing in their life. And because I know that grace will be lost with a character decision. You know, the grace remains everyone. A gift is given without repentance. It just remains in your life. But your character can destroy it within a, a day. And so on. So I want to get that character right. So the grace won't be. You know, um, that's why God came down and said to Cain, uh, said, mate, please, <laughs> let's get this right. You're angry. You're cross. <laughs> so I think, let's get this right. Because we're going to lose that grace you've got on your life. You know, make a mess of it. Number eight, you can see the grace. You can actually see the grace at work in people's lives. Let's look at it in uh, verse 23 there. When he arrived and he saw what the grace of God had done. So Barnabas comes into the work and he goes, wow, grace is at work. Greeks are getting saved. There's signs and wonders here. God is here. Grace is operating here. It's very hard for them. This is a big thing to them. It'd be like, you know, you're going to uh, a homosexual place and all these homosexual communities there, but God's moved amongst them. And you go, whoa, God's grace is moving here. Does that make sense? 
You might think, oh, that's, that's wrong. No, God will move in that community and so on. You better get used to it. You better not go in and judge it, but go, nah, God's grace is here. And then, of course, you start preaching the word of God. They'll be at your feet. And obviously, you know what we'll be preaching. God created a, a man and a woman. Yeah? And, so, and, that's where, and a lot of them will be set free because the grace is flowing. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's very exciting times when you see the grace of God move amongst drug addicts. There's all these drug addicts and so on, and God's grace is moving. You see God's, oh, they're setting them free. And so, so you've got to acknowledge there is a grace of God and it works in your life and so on. As Paul and Barnabas were uh, leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next. So tell us more about this. We want to understand this. They, they didn't come in and go, you Greeks have got a few things wrong here. You just are missing it in certain areas. No, they came in and rejoiced in the uh, grace of God at work in a person's life. Some people are going to really pass you in this place rapidly, if you want to call it that way, because of the grace of God. You need to rejoice in that and go, wow, you're really growing, and so on. And so I had competitive brothers and sisters in the last church I was at, and so on, and God taught me to hide away, to not react, to keep my heart right, keep the unity of the spirit in my life going, and so on. I said, oh, Lord, there's so many of us rising here, and so on. He said, it's not a competition. I have a path for you, Peter. No one can come on it. No one. It's just yours. And be secure in me in that. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. I really would love to be a pastor one day, but don't even say it, Peter. Let your pastor note the gift growing in your life. So, okay, Lord, okay, Lord. Just stay in the grace. So you know, I, was, I was second to everyone in my last church. I helped the youth pastor. I, I helped in worship. I helped in all sorts of areas. I never led anything. And so I've just helped and sort of thing. And then God took me out and said, now you're in charge of everything. So it's like it's, it's just God's grace. It, oh, that's not grooming me, is it? No, God says, I'm humbling you. I'm changing your life. I'm, you are helping lots of other people. What I really felt, everyone, is to help. What is the vision of this house? What is the grace on this house? What is the assignment on this house? How can I lock into that? God loves it. How can I give my gift and grace to that? And so on. Pastor Tony says, that's, yeah, you've got a gift with children, Peter. But uh, Peter, we need help with teenagers. Yes, Pastor, I go into that. Oh, but no, my grace is this. Oh, well, that will have to sit on the shelf because the need of the house, the grace of the house, the, the assignment on the house is, is needed in a certain area. So no one could replace me in the junior teens of my last church. So I said, I'd give another year. The year was up. So I gave another year. And God said, I see your heart. I see your heart. The part that I could just pull out and no one. No leadership. No, Lord, I'll stay there. It's not my grace, really. I said, I teach kids at school. It's not really me and so on. It's not me. But no one was there to replace me, so I stayed. And so you stayed there. When Karen and I left our church, they put a full-time pastor or worker, youth worker, in our place. We never got a cent, but they put a full-time worker because we left the gap as they sent us out. Well, we trained people and so on, but uh, the youth pastor said, you know, these guys and what they've put in. We kept sowing into the house. To the house's advantage and not ours. But God, heaven, says, uh uh uh. I see what you're sowing. I see what you're giving. I see your heart in that. So you see the grace in a person's life. You see that grace at work in, in their life. So that's it's the exciting part about it. Um, then we have we, we have pillars in our church. We have pillars. So there's seven pillars we have in our church and so on. So we, we say to someone, What's that pillar that appeals to you? What's the grace drawn into? Oh, it's worship. Okay, let's get into there. It's generational. It's going down there. It's prophetic and so on. It's, so it's getting involved in these pillars. And it's not seven pillars, but try to select one pillar. We now say to everyone, no one can have more than two pillars in our church. Because we don't want you burning out in three or four pillars. Just give it to one pillar and lay, lay your life down for that and build into that area. If you've really got it, everyone who does our Timothy training in our church, I say, I don't know if you've got it, but it looks like you have. But let's test it out in the next few years. And if you're an ascension gift, I'll let you know. Because it will make way for itself. So these guys, it's not like, oh, will, will Paul make it? They know he is it. That's why they're laying hands on him. All right, it's not like, oh boy, I wonder if he'll last as an elder. No, he will, because they've seen it, they've tested it, they've looked at it, so on, which is so important in our lives. Number nine, the parable of the um, sower here. Sorry, not the sower, it's the parable of, of the talents. We can call the talents grace for this example. 
Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them, or entrusted his grace to them. God's gone on a journey to heaven and he's entrusted a grace into our life. He said he ascended, didn't he? And then he gave out gifts. Okay, so he's entrusted it. And in the body, everyone has different functions, different graces, and there's different roles and so on, but he's put grace on you. And so he's finding out, will you be faithful in your house with the grace you've got? And each according to their ability. So God doesn't give you a grace that you can't handle. God gives you a grace you can. Dyslexic me, stammering me, messed up me, and says, I'm going to put a grace on you, Peter. And so, and God, that doesn't match with it. No, Peter, my grace will enable you. My grace will be sufficient for you. Just make sure you lock into it, son. And don't step out of it because you'll look very average. When you step out of your grace, it's called disgrace. Okay, so you look, what is that person doing? They were running a good race, Galatians says. Who cut across you? Who told you? Oh, come over here. There's many people. Come over here and be a prophet here. Come over here. I said, no, I can't. This is where God's called me. This is my vineyard. This is where I stay. Can I make it clear to people here, if I just go back to those pillars, I'll tell you as a pastor, the most important pillar and the most... Uh, the best ground to grow in is called our connecting pillar. It's, where, it's our shepherding pillar. If there's one grace I would encourage everyone to go for is it being a shepherd, learning to look after people. That's where David started. That's where Moses started. That's where Joseph started. It's a great place to start, just looking after a group of smelly sheep. <laughs> and so that's where I started. I said, Pastor, I see the need in the house. I didn't know I was a shepherd, but I was prepared to Went to training. Karen and I were taught, oh, okay, this is what you do. And we started. We started and no one wanted to join us because we were just immature people and so on, I suppose. And we had Caleb. That brought another person into our connect group. That's our son. He's 30 years old now. But that was, oh, well, look, we've got another person there. And so, but we started shepherding and we started to learn. And bleating sheep, reacting people. And we start to learn deliverance. We start to learn healing of their souls. We start to learn uh, renewing their minds. We start to be trained in this little group of people. And so then there's another group of people. And then we were sent out. And where we had planted, uh, we planted the church, we had actually raised up seven little shepherding groups. Seven leaders there. There's a grace on my life. My pastor never told me. But he believed in me. He sent me out because he must have seen it. But he never said, you've got it, son. <laughs> he just didn't. It's one of the old school. You don't tell them because I'll get a big head. Would have been really encouraging, though, to just know that. <laughs> well, they're sending us out. They must believe in us. But, um, and so that's, but that's where I just want to share with you shepherding in the house. Pastor Tony, can, uh, I'd love to be trained in that area. I'd love to look after a group of people, open up our home, uh, care for people and so on. And that's where we have 30 connect groups in our church now and so on. So we've got people looking after people. We call them shepherds. We bring them out the front of the church. We lay hands on them at the start of the year. We ask for the grace of God to be on these people to shepherd these people. And so on to raise up an assistance. It will probably go into 40 groups soon. So it just continue to grow because it's small groups that meet once a fortnight. It's the best training ground for your grace. You can look after half a dozen people and start to grow them and mature them. Something's over your life. Just as a little thought there for you. Okay, so let's go on with the uh, parable of the sower. I'll just read the. Um, uh, the line in verse uh, 20 there, it says, You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And that's where God entrusted us with certain graces. Five, one bag, two bags. Does that make sense, everyone? So God's apportioned it as he went away. All right. Okay. And then his uh, master returned. His master came back. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the grace on your life. You've been faithful to use that grace I put in. You believed I'll put it there and used it. Good on you. I will put you in charge of many things. God says, if you can operate that grace, if you can acknowledge that grace, if you work that grace in your life, you are ready. You're ready. You actually understand I'm doing it. I will fall over without that grace. I am a prisoner to this grace. I rely on this grace. And that's, I was not a speaker. I was not anything. I was just didn't want to get up in front of people and so on. It's you know, just, you just rely on that grace. 
I knew that you, uh, this is the one who uh, was given one bag of gold in verse 24. And he says, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. God was quite affected by this. Quite, you know, it says, for I was afraid and went, uh, and, and went out and hid your gold in the ground. I put my grace in the ground. I was afraid of it. It's not by faith, fear. When there's not faith, there's fear. Oh, God, this is too much for me. No, it's not because it's by grace. I embrace this assignment. I embrace it, Lord God. We've got, uh, we're sending out a team of five young people to plant in Launceston, which is in Tasmania, a major city, and we're sending them out. And there's fear all over their lives. But I said, the grace of God's on you. You're carrying the grace on this house. And he says, yes, it's true. Uh, you've got the grace that's on me is on you. He says, that's right. He said, when I preach, uh, it's the same things that happened with you, Pastor Peter, happened with me. I said, that's a grace operating. We're sending you out. You will start a church. Karen and I came out. We started a church. You've, we've got that grace in our house. It will happen to you. Does that make sense? Yes. And so, so I'm talking him through it and so on. There's all fears that come up, of course. Fear comes from the mind and faith comes from the heart. So you've just got to switch it over to the heart. No, they're calling me out. And I'm sure you'll have uh, uh, questions about it all and worries about it all. And he'll step in and, and the church starts to grow and starts to mature. And, I say, and I'll tell him, you better never forget it. God's in this. God, remember how you used to be? That's yeah, true. I was petrified. I didn't think I could do it. It's the grace of God. As Jesus is now the Father, he has released grace. Entrust us with wealth or grace. He entrusts us with this grace. Secondly, God gives us grace according to our ability. So don't worry. It's according to your ability. I had no idea the ability I have in my life. I was under average, except in looks, of course. Okay, three. Two invested their, their grace and one did it. So two out of three at least put their grace into action. Two were rewarded and were given double portion. I'm telling you, when you invest your grace, it always grows. It always matures. And then God has another assignment for you. He will always have another assignment for you, which is exciting. Because this church is going to burst forth in grace. The grace of God is just going to come upon it and grow upon it. When we do a school of prophets, the prophetic is going to go deeper into this house. As myself, as, a, as an apostle, comes here and we link together, the apostolic grace is going to push into this house out of relationship and connection. So I'm please, I'm not trying to big build myself up. It's just the grace that's on my life will flow. And we connect well. We relate well. We're working together. So I see the grace in Pastor Tony's life. The, the prophet come and do School of Prophets in Melbourne and Adelaide. They're right together. One's the side of Easter, one's the other side of Easter. And so on. So Phil makes sure he's there, okay? That's your assignment. <laughs> That's his assignment to make sure you're there. Okay. And one, one uh, who, who didn't, he, he didn't have any understanding. He didn't understand grace. He just dug it in the ground. Why? I know you're a hard man. I know you'll rip me off. I know that you, you reap where you don't sow. And God says, this man does not know me. <laughs> so a person who digs their grace into the ground doesn't know God. Doesn't really know how God operates. So on. It doesn't appreciate what God has given to them in their life. And he lost his grace. It was given to the one who had 10. Crazy, isn't it? It's available to him. Here's some examples of it. Pastor Peter and Karen, way back in the beginning, 1982, uh, we start to follow up new Christians. It led us into uh, a connect group we formed in 83. It multiplied in 85 to two connect groups. Do you see grace growing? I'm telling you, go back. We didn't know we had anything. When the pastor said, I want you to follow up this prostitute, I said, Pastor, I said, are you sure? He said, take your wife. Okay. <laughs> and so, so we followed her up. She came in and got saved and so on. Oh, the people that God brought into that group. We used to have a girl that used to knock out men in our group. That worried me. I used to be down on my knees before the group and say, God, help me. I'm not joking. They're wild, this group. And the power of God would come in. Their life started changing. I had to learn deliverance. I had to because it was demons were looking at me everywhere. And so I started the power of God started to fly in my life because I was shepherding these sheep that were wild. They were wolves. Oh, crazy. It's, I can't believe what God gave us. But I had the grace. See, he won't give me beyond what I can handle. So I wish I had someone coaching me and saying, wow, he's giving me some wild ones. Peter, you must have a dynamic ministry. Because <laughs> no one can handle these people. <laughs> um, 
the prophetic insight. I shared this with you before. As a child, it sort of stirred in my life and so on. And then uh, uh, prophecies in the services started to come out. And I sort of felt a bit awkward. Is that right or whatever? And then I went to school of prophets and the thing took off. The prophetic gift. Thank God I went there. Thank God I responded to a dream. I assisted the youth leader in 82 and then I helped run a department in the youth and so on. And then I became like this assistant uh, youth pastor because it just grows. I was not trying to climb the ladder. It just, there's a grace. And that's, but you've got to understand if it's not growing and, and you walk in the room and the youth run away from you, something's wrong. You might not have the grace. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, this man in our church, who, his uh, church had failed and uh, we'd connected with him for many years and he came into our church and so on. He's in our church and he said, I want to be a pastor in this church and he had to let his credential go and everything. And I said, I can't get to a coffee today. It'll take me two hours to get there because everyone will block me or stop me to get there because I'm a shepherd. I said, you want to be a shepherd? I said, you can walk straight up and get a coffee and no one talks to you. I said, it's, there's no grace on your life. That's hard. You can say that's hard. Speaking the truth in love. It's not operating. You're a brilliant teacher, though. Why don't you come into that? Oh, no, I want to be a pastor. I said, you're a teacher. He looks after Connect Group and he's growing in that a bit and that's great. But he's brilliant at teaching. But he just doesn't want to operate in his grace. Can't do much about it. Can't do much about it. Number 10, last one. Grace is imparted, everyone. It's imparted through encounters. It's imparted through prophecy. It's imparted by the laying of hands. We've had a few of that today, haven't we? And it's imparted by aligning yourself under a prophet or an apostle and so on. And I can't be what I'm not under. Does that make sense? I can't be something. And and that's where it was trying to emerge in my life and so on. I'm in this beautiful pastor-teacher movement. And suddenly when I came out, this movement turned on me because they didn't like the grace operating in my life. Become a very powerful church in our movement. And they attacked it because of the grace on us rather than they could have had it. Wherever we went in our movement, our denomination, power of God went and prophecies. They said, we've never seen anything like this. But they rejected it. Sad. Sad. So it's just they, they just couldn't accept that grace because the hierarchy didn't have it. So you're not allowed to have it. It's just sad. It's sad. But uh, we've since left and so on the Holy Spirit's asked us to. But before we did, uh, God said, you take this all across your movement. Take this grace and it, he opened doors everywhere and it was powerful and so on. And that's something they've got to work with now. Dude, we had this grace, but we rejected it. And that's something that God said, I'll work it through. Isaiah, I'm sending you to a people that will never hear and never understand. Off you go. Have a good day. You think, God, please, can you send me to someone who wants to hear this message? No, they're going to be, you know, they won't hear and they won't understand, but off you go. I've had to get used to that. There's a purpose in it. You don't be nasty or not, but you give the message and so on. And years later, they go, hang on. That prophet said that. Hang on. What have we done? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Encounters. I was encountered in um, 19... Uh, firstly, in 1992, Jonathan David spoke discipling over my life. You will disciple into sons and daughters. And I thought, what on earth is that? What does that mean? But it... Five-page prophecy, and there it is. I've never had anything like it in my whole life. And I thought, wow. And it was so accurate. You'll be a trainer of trainers, all these type of things. So then eventually I went to an apostles' church in um, uh, Spokane, Washington, in America. And I was powerfully encountered in his church. He has one of the best discipling schools in the world. And I was in it and so on. And I shook for three days and I was encountered. And God told me about 12 months later, I put his school on the inside of you. And I was just, John G. Lake Hall he had, I was just you know, crying and weeping there. I was encountered. That's an impartation. That's a grace. God put the thing on the inside of you. And it felt like that. And it felt, I, was, I, was just, I was crying and teary for three days later. And he said, would you preach in our church? I said, why? He said, because I can see something's happening in your life. Many people come and take our course. You've been imparted our course. Oh, the apostle said, and we became very good friends. As a result of that. And I said, I was just going to take this course back home. He said, I said, I'll submit at your feet, whatever you want to do. And he said, it just delighted his heart. Because there's someone that understood the grace and not trying to just take the model. Does that make sense? Because it it comes with impartation. It comes with that. And we planned it discipling 1999. We've now discipled over 500 people. We're discipling 70 this year. And it's, it's people come from all around Australia to this. It's grace. It's grace. Now, 
I would be an idiot if I stopped discipling. <laughs> because it's a grace. So, and you're tempted as, as the grace is forming. You're tempted, oh, why don't we try this? Or why don't we do this? And God says, stay in your grace. Stay in your grace. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, but this looks good over here. No, 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 it's not. This is your call. Paul was tempted to go back to the Jews all the time. And he did. He's naughty. There's his people. But when he went to the Gentiles, it exploded. When he went to the Jews, they wanted to kill him. <laughs> Cut him up. and so This is how it works. Prophecy. These are things. These are just things. And, you know, just in my dad's gym and so on. As I was in my dad's gym training athletes and 15 to 17. I really didn't like dad because he left mum and I was all bitter and so on. But he had me training there. And then, uh, then I started to run gym floors and so on. He taught me, trained me very well, my father. This grace of connecting, relating to people and training athletes and so on. And uh, then I ended up managing a gym. The grace can come through you. I'm dad and mum. And can, it can flow through. That grace they have in their life will flow into you. Oh, my dad was a sparky, now I'm a sparky. That's an electrician. In Australia, we call it sparkies. Okay. Okay. And so these, these type of graces flow through. I've shared with those with you today, those graces. And uh, uh, then uh, you've got Paul speaking to Timothy. Timothy, my son, I, I am giving you this command. A command, everyone. Don't, don't even think about it. This is what you must do. <laughs> And not a multiple choice question, a command. In keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to the faith and a good conscience which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Hang on to what you've been given, Timothy. Stick to it, son. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care, that grace over your life. Guard. Protect it. That was the scripture that mum used today for you, for you, Paul and Emma. You know, just guard your heart above all else. It's the wellspring of life. Love that scripture. Love it. It's very powerful. Praise God. I think we've uh, just, uh, there's one more, I think. Do not neglect your gift, which has been given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you, Paul and Emma. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. You know, it's where it's the enemy will try and distract you with so many other things. You've chosen God's path. This is a man of God and a woman of God. Don't ne neglect it. You choose to follow that gift. And that's where Karen and I have stuck at that gift and worked at us. And there was times we wanted to run uh, from it and so on. But uh, by the incredible grace of God, we just stayed with it and it worked in our lives. So today, I, I don't know how long I've taken, but I wanted to get that word out with you. And you've listened so well today. But I just want to pray over your life. What is that grace over your life? What is that assignment over your life uh, to lock that in on your life? It's very boring Christianity if you're not operating in that grace. It's really, it's just, it's, there's a certain function that God's got for us. So when it, we come to see him, well done, you good and faithful servant. The talents I gave you, you've doubled them. You've increased the grace on your life. Well done. That's what he's interested in. What have you done with that grace that I've given you, that gold I've given you? What have, I, uh, what have you done with that in your life, which is so important? Praise God, which is a key in our lives. Praise God. Let's just uh, pray right now. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we just open up our hearts to you and our lives to you. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ has put a grace in every person's heart here. Amazingly, has put a grace, therefore an assignment on their life. Lord, I pray that there be many grow in this house, that grace would grow and mature in their life. Begin to come into its fullness, Lord God. We ask for that, Lord God. We thank you for that deposit you've put in us, Lord God, that we wouldn't wrestle with it, we wouldn't fight with it, we wouldn't react to it, Lord God. We'd allow it to work deeply in our hearts, Lord God, and continue. Lord, we've had an incredible example of that today laying hands on Paul and Emma. We're going to see them grow and mature like more than ever before. Some of you don't see it that well because you just they're there all the time. Does that make sense? You're just seeing them day after day and it's very hard to tell that grace growing. It's like your own child that keeps maturing but you don't fully notice it because it just it's in small increments. But people come back and meet Paul and Emma and go, what has happened in your life? What decisions have you made? Something shifted in your life. You were this and now you're that. And that's what we need to be looking at in our lives. Don't wrestle for someone else's grace. Lord, right now, forgive us for getting jealous of other people's graces. 
Forgive us for reacting with other people. Father God, Lord, we want to keep the uh, unity of the Spirit, Lord God. It's not a competition. It's not trying to uh, prove. If you give us five talents, it's five. If you give us two, it's two. If it's one, it's one. Our first assignment is to double it. That's all it is. Just put it into action and find out that it's God. Right now, I come against unbelief. It says they couldn't enter into the promised land, it says, because of their unbelief. Sometimes we can't enter into the assignment of God because our unbelief, our fears and so on. And some of you, it's like your own self-image gets affected by it. And Oh, I don't want to be a show-off. Be a show-off with God's grace. Please put it into action. Let that grace of God grow in you and mature in you. Father, we come against unbelief. We come against fear. We come against a poor self-image that says, well, not good enough or whatever. I'm telling you, it's not about how good you are. It's how good God is and what grace He's put into your life. So we open up our hearts right now, Lord God. Let this grace continue to operate in this house. Let the apostolic, the prophetic grace, the shepherding grace, the grace that wants to reach out and evangelize operate in this house, Lord God. Father, let it go from one talent to two to five, Lord God. Let it mature, Lord God. Let double portion grow in this house, Father God, in Jesus' name. Father God, we stand before you, Lord God. We pull down all unbelief, Lord God. That group of people didn't know they had the grace to go into the promised land. That God was going to deal with the giants. Who's going to deal with the walled city? And God said it because he said, I'm going to give you the grace. The first journey they went in, they just shouted at the walls and they fell down. That's grace, everyone. That wasn't their weaponry. That wasn't their uh, barge ramps against walls and their ladders and whatever else. It was a shout. It's called grace. They just shouted and the walls came down. And Joshua would have started thinking, oh man, this is going to be easy. This is going to be easy. God, forgive us for making Christianity hard. Forgive us for complicating it. Father God, forgive us for digging our grace into the ground. Forgive us for being afraid and 